0: Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazi Acosti. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Acosti.
1: Hi, my name is Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I work with children who have been diagnosed with ADHD, autism, anxiety, dyslexia, minor traumatic brain injuries, or memory issues. I also work with adults who have similar issues, and I help them improve their executive function skills or their executive functioning skills, which is actually the proper term. And I, offer, I also offer uh, customized webinars for parents, teachers, as well as other professionals and I do those uh, webinars um, anywhere in the world, so if you're interested, feel free to give me a call at 480-648-1122, and I'd be happy to do a free consultation should anyone be interested. And Today, I am very excited to introduce Mark and Kent Shelley. Dr. Mark Shelley and I have spent some time working together in the past. He was actually my boss at one point. Um, I highly respect him. He's an awesome human being and Kent Shelley is his brother, and they have written an amazing um, an amazing book recently called The Relationship Owner's Manual. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Mark and Kent. Thank you Thank for you coming. You? So uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, Dr. Shelley. Um, if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about your background? And I know you have a lot going on currently, but I'd love for people to understand why you both have um, this passion to write this book, as well as the background and the knowledge, so that we can basically tell our, our listeners how credible you are and why they should buy your book at some point. <laughs> so, let's start okay. with uh, Dr. Mark Shelley. Can you please tell us about your background?
2: Sure. Um, I have taught in higher education for over 35 years now. Um, my fields are psychology and sociology and cross cultural studies. Um, so, I, I've taught a lot of the psychology. I'm also a um, credential coach with the International Coach Federation and serve on the board here of uh, ICF Arizona. And uh, I do one-on-one coaching and group coaching and couples coaching with people as well. So uh, I'm really passionate about helping people and helping people become their best selves. And that was one of the motivations for for me getting involved in this project. Awesome.
1: Um, How many years did you teach at the university level?
2: Um, 35 years. <laughs> okay,
1: that's, so, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. So you have a tremendous amount of knowledge and background to, to help you um, synthesize this information and really um, kind of pull together this book, which gives us a guide essentially as to how to have a relationship.
2: Yeah. Right. Okay. And, um, you know, we tried not to, it's easy for me to go academic on people. And that that's where Kent was a great help. Um, Because we tried to make a book that was practical, accessible. Uh, There's not a lot of jargon in there. In fact, probably some of my psychologist friends would say, well, this is kind of (laughs) simple. But it's direct and straightforward. And we've seen it help a lot of people. Wonderful.
1: You know, and and I think that uh, making something simple actually is a skill. Taking something complex, such as relationships, and making it simple, I think is truly a phenomenal skill to have. So I, I appreciate that. Um, let's go ahead and talk to uh, Kent. Kent, what is your background? Can you tell us a little bit about what where you come from?
3: Um, well, I as of today I'm living in I've lived in Canada most of my life, but I, I grew up in the US and California. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in environmental science and psychology. I have a master's degree in education and I have uh, taught elementary and high school students for 15 years as principal of a private school in Los Angeles. And I provided uh, counseling in a faith-based context for about 15 years and um, decided to change. I was a long-haul truck driver for uh, eight years
1: wow that's and, diverse <laughs> and while
3: doing that i online and in person i upgraded my uh, my my skill set to get licensed as a psychotherapist here in Ontario canada and for the last uh, 14 years i've been providing uh counseling and i'm also a certified coach through a my, my program my brother actually uh Provides and so for the last 14 years, I've been providing counseling and coaching for uh, individuals and uh, couples and families.
1: Wow. Now, I know that uh, we went rather quickly through Mark's background because uh, he he has a lot more going on than what he's telling us.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he does, for sure.
1: (laughs) So, and I only know this because he and I talked about this before the show. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what else you're working on right now, Mark? What what other projects, what other teaching um, jobs do you have right now that that you're currently working on that maybe kind of helped you with this book?
2: Um, sure. I, I teach uh, part-time now for Northern Arizona University in, in my semi-retirement. And, um, and I teach uh, social studies curriculum and teaching and learning. And all that's helpful in writing. And um, I coordinate a, a program here in, in Prescott called Cycling Without Age, which, is, which connects um, older people who are basically homebound and gets them out in a rickshaw-type bicycle and gets them out in nature. And this improves their depression, their outlook on life. Uh, it in, even increases longevity. And uh, in addition to that, I'm Vice President of Membership Experience for Northern Arizona for the International Coach Federation.
1: Wow, that's quite a bit and um, for those of you who are listening, Mark and I actually met when I lived in Prescott. I lived in Prescott for about 10 years, and Mark actually was working at uh, Yavapai College. He was the dean, um, <laughs> and I worked for him. So he, he's a phenomenal Uh, human being and very diverse. So you have a a very diverse background, which I think really helps set up the stage for how this relationship owner's manual came to be, because you you have to have a diverse background to truly understand people, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So how did this book get started, guys?
2: Well, I'll let Kent take that because this is really kind of his brainchild. All right, well, Ken, let's hear it. <laughs> it, may, it might be
3: my brain gel, but it's definitely not a solo performance. So I'll guarantee you that. Um, so it all kind of started uh, actually back in the mid 1970s. Somebody made a comment to me at a crucial moment in my life. Um, and they said, I think it was actually while I was getting my graduate degree, they said, life is all about relationships. And that just resonated loud and clear. It might be a bit extreme because there are other things involved in life, but life is substantially about relationships. And I just decided at that moment in time that I was going to make it my goal for the rest of my life to be a student of relationships. And so I simply started learning all I could here and there. Part of it was motivated by the fact that I had just gotten married and I wanted to create a relationship that worked. And um, so it was just a matter of learning everywhere I could, doing this and that. And um, I, seminars, books, everything i get my hands on. Um, then fast forward back to uh, uh, about wow, 11 years ago, uh, I had completed my training uh, through the William Glasser Institute in a, a form of counseling and therapy, therapy called Choice Theory, Reality Therapy, Mark, and I actually did that together. Um, And part of the graduation requirement for that was to actually do a project. So I wrote a little book. It's very short. It takes 30 minutes to read. And it's called I Have a Choice, um, um, Creating Better Relationships and Cultivating Personal Happiness And it's, it's never gone big time. Really. It'll, I've actually released it recently. Uh, it'll be released on Amazon within a few weeks actually, but, uh, I made it for my, I made it for my clients.
1: Can you tell us the name of that book again?
3: Um, it's called, I have a choice question mark. (laughs) And, uh, the subtitle is, um, creating better relationships and cultivating personal happiness. And, um, And it takes 30 minutes to read, and it has one very specific skill set that that I created while in my studies to help couples. And to be honest, it was it's it's become the backbone of what I do as a therapist when I work with uh, individuals and couples. Um, Well, that little book was good, but it it was only uh, I went to revise it about eight years later. And in talking with Mark and his encouragement, I realized there's a whole lot more here than just one little chapter. It needs a, there's a bigger picture. And so on the basis of about you know 10 years of in the saddle counseling, I've seen i you know, I I, I I saw 30 clients a week for years. So I had lots of experience. I may not be that smart, but I got experience. I learned what I learned what worked, I learned what didn't work. And I created some very specific, um, scientifically based uh, sound principles and approaches to help couples. And that became the bigger backbone of the book.
1: So can I assume you're still married to the same woman?
3: Absolutely. It'll be 46 years next month.
1: I love it. I love it. So you are definitely practicing what you preach.
3: And I got eight kids. So it's been a lot of of relational (laughs) stuff going on around here.
1: Wow. Eight kids. Um, How many boys and how many girls?
3: They're divided four and four. My my oldest is 43 and my youngest is 23. So I let all these parents out there know you too will survive. (laughs)
1: wow that's amazing okay well i I love that you practice what you preach that's that's really awesome um so tell me who, who do you recommend this book to
3: it was written specifically for anybody concerned about their relationship whether they be an individual or whether they be a couple whether they're in, their relationship might be going great. This book is designed to enhance it. Their relationship might be shaky. This is designed to stabilize it. They might be basically crashing into the rocks. This might rescue it or at least help them recover and prepare for another and hopefully more satisfying relationship in the future. So, uh,
2: yeah. Awesome. I would, I would add that I think... When I've used the book, um, this is great for people who are not yet in a serious relationship or in a serious mm-hmm. relationship True. planning to get married, because it just lays out some things for them that if they know up front, it'll save them a lot of heartache.
3: I had a client.
2: <laughs> I had a client buy eight copies of
3: it.
1: Oh and, wow! Uh, he
3: he was a really kind of he he's kind of a rich guy, pretty good looking, smart. He would be a good catch. He made every, um, everybody, every lady who wanted to date him had to read the book first. Wow. And he got married three years later and said it worked.
1: Still married. (laughs) Is he still married?
3: I think so. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Are you guys keeping any kind of records on your clients, you know, as to how this book works for them?
2: Um, I'm still in contact with the people and I'm still, I still have clients right now who I'm seeing that, that are using the book. So uh, you, I had, I had a friend of mine who, uh, a couple of friends of mine who, who are my age, they're, they're older, their grandparents. Um, they bought this copies of the book for their adult kids for Christmas. Yeah.
1: Very cool. I, I would love to know like case studies. Do you have any case studies that you can talk about on air? You don't have to use names. Just tell us a little bit about how this book really helped them.
2: Go ahead, Kent. Well, wow. It
1: sounds like does, Kent, Kent's the yeah. storyteller.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to know where to start, but I'll, I'll give you a very recent one.
1: Yes, um, please do.
3: Two days ago, <laughs> I was talking to a client and um, I, I'd had a couple sessions with her, an individual coming because she concerned about her her, her marriage. and um, she read the book and she came back. And yes, just a couple of days ago in our session, she said, I understand it now. I said, why? She goes, I understand why my relationship isn't working. I understand what it needs to work. And, you know, I learned so much from my from my clients. They, they Honestly, they've helped write this book. I mean, you know, the feedback they give me on their struggles and what works and doesn't work is phenomenal. But she identified something that I think is essential to the book. And if I can put it in this term, sometimes people will ask me, what is the number one essential ingredient in a relationship? And I like to throw the question back at them and say, what do you think it is? And everybody, almost everybody says love. And I roll my eyes and say, <laughs> I'm all for love, folks. It's wonderful. And I said, it's crucial in a relationship, but it's not what we base the relationship on. We Relationships, I firmly believe are solidly based on respect. Because when two people respect each other, they actually generate the love they experience. Mm-hmm. And this book is really a book all about how to respect someone. And it does it in very, in, you know, there's about what, 17 chapters, and every one of them is designed to help someone learn how to respect someone else that they value and want to create a, a, a satisfying relationship with and so this this lady who I was talking to in the session I mean she just she said I get it I know I didn't work and she goes you know if my partner would simply just respect me I could overlook everything else wow that, that isn't working if they would just respect me that would be enough and I thought that you know that's that's just that's just the profound words of wisdom I think from someone in the trenches, who gets it
1: exactly. But how do you deal with a situation like that? You can't make somebody else respect you.
3: Well, you you nailed exactly.
1: it exactly.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the heart of the book. You know, choice theory, which the book is solidly grounded in, which is also a form of Adlerian psychology, basically says the only thing we can control. In this whole world is ourselves and we can only control three things really what we think what we do and what emotions we choose to sustain or disengage from meaning we cannot control other people we cannot control circumstances but yet everybody tries you know something wrong with my relationship my partner needs to change and so we kind of blow that out of the water right at the beginning of the book in order to create a good relationship, you have to, number one, be the best version of yourself you can be. And number two, the last thing you want to do is try to control your partner. A relationship is not based on control or changing of your partner. It's based on collaborating with your partner, harmonizing your differences to strengthen the relationship and one another.
2: Yeah, Fozzie, I think, can't said it so well, but I think what makes this book unique is that most relationship books that we've read start out with the couple, okay? And our book doesn't. Our book starts off with the individual. In other words, we we talk about um, uh, your personal kingdom. That is, you getting your act together. And when you have your act together and your partner has their act together, then you can come together as a relationship. So uh, I think we kind of live in this Disney culture where, where love is going to solve all the problems and everybody's going to feel this emotional high. And that's just not real life. No. Um, and so um, working on yourself is the first key to a successful relationship, being the best you can be.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of myths about relationships, about how they work. Absolutely. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what kind of myths are out there that maybe are not functional?
2: Oh, I I think the the big myth is that I love this person and that I can change them. You know, once we're together, then mm-hmm. then they are going to come around to see things my way. And the the truth is that we've seen in, in the clients that we work with, the opposite happens is, you know, people come together and then those things that are were little friction rubbers at the beginning, over time, become huge issues. Uh, they don't go away.
1: Can you give me an example of some of the things that people, when they get into a relationship, some of the things they feel they need to change about another person?
2: Um, yeah, we have this this whole section on connecting behaviors. And I, I think people, we all want to form our partner into our own image to meet our needs. And I think that's the other big myth is that I'm going to get into relationships so this person can be, meet my needs. Absolutely. But if, if I can't meet my own needs. I'm not going to be any good to the other person. Go ahead, Ken. Take it away. You know, you're
3: echoing exactly what I thought. I mean, that would be the myth that came to my mind immediately is I uh, if I marry this person, they're going to make me happy. Yeah. And you know, happiness is an inside job. If we it's generated from within, other people can contribute to it, but a partner can never make you happy. You know, they they can contribute to it. But if you don't have the fundamentals in place and are generating it from within, no one else can fill that gap.
1: You know, I'm not a therapist and I still hear people talking about, you know, if I if I I just need to find the right person who can make Mm -hmm. me happy. I just need to find (laughs) the right person who can do this. And they're looking for this perfect match. But what they don't realize is. They have to work on who they are first. They have to bring something to the table. Yeah.
2: Yeah, The the, the other thing I think that that we emphasize is, you know, there's this idea that when you come together, we'll negotiate the relationship. And what we found, even in writing this book and running it by people in early drafts, is the word negotiating didn't sit well with couples because negotiating means that, I'm giving something up here and one of us is going to be the winner and one of us is going to be the loser. And so we changed our whole approach to that of collaboration. So in a collaboration, we walk away where it works for me and it works for you.
1: It's more of a negotiation, it sounds like. I
2: would add that collaborating is slightly
1: different
3: from negotiating in that in a collaboration, you don't lose anything. Yeah, collaboration by definition would be two people uh, coming to an understanding, a plan, or agreement that works equally well for both of them. In other words, even a good negotiation, which I'm all for, usually something is compromised. And you know, uh, that's to me is the dirty. There's two really dirty words in relationship. One of them is compromise, and that would be in a relationship if I compromise, that means I am choosing to be less of who I am or give up something important to me just to make the relationship work. And I see this so frequently, it's heartbreaking. Um, The other really bad word in relationship is, as we indicate early, controlling. You cannot change a partner. And even if you try, even with the best intentions, I'm going to help my partner improve. So our relationship will be better. It will be toxic. It will backfire. It will, it will destroy any trust and respect in the relationship the partner can have for you until it's corrected. And we talk about how to correct that.
2: And I think I think a correlate correlate to that is that we really believe that good relationships are based on the assumption that my partner has my best interest in mind. Mm. I assume that. So when my partner does make a mistake and we all make a mistake, we all screw up. We all say things we don't mean to say in anger or frustration. But when my partner does that, then my first thought is, Hey, that wasn't to destroy me. That was just a glitch. And my partner really does have my best interest in mind.
3: If I may add to that, follow up to Mark, we also have two crucial chapters in the book. And one of them is how to forgive my partner when they hurt, wound, or offend me. And and this is a crucial chapter because I'm pretty sure we present forgiveness in a very different light than what most people think it means and and even what the purpose of it is. And, And so... You know, forgiving someone is not for their sake. I forgive them for my sake. So I don't hold the resentment against them. That's going to destroy both me and the relationship. Forgiving someone is a choice of personal liberation and freedom. And then the other thing, the other chapter we have is, is, is what do I do when I've hurt, wounded and offended my partner? How do I heal that in an effective way? And we blow the, you're talking, here's another myth. The words I'm sorry have nothing to do with an apology. (laughs) They never never have been. They never never will. I'm sorry is a great sentiment. It's a statement of regret and sadness, but it's not an apology. We we take the concept of the the heart of any good apology is I was wrong, taking ownership for what I did and seeking to reestablish the respect and the trust. And a commitment to a new path. And it's a very simple chapter, but a lot of my clients have said it's worth the price of the book because
2: yeah. they just never knew how to do that.
1: It's hard to apologize. It's 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 a very difficult thing to do.
2: It I, is. And, and one of the things we provide, Fazia, is kind of a model for how to apologize. You know, fill in the blank. Yeah. And it, it works. And clients will come back and say, wow, I... I in fact, I had one person write me an email that, that, that said, I've never had an apology like that before in my whole life. And it just blew them away.
1: Can you give us an example of what an apology would sound like? Go ahead, Kent. <laughs> okay,
3: I'll, I'll, I'm going to run you by. It's basically, and again, we talked earlier about simplicity. And you know, if anything, I be, I get accused in my practice of being too simple. But I believe that a lot of relationships appear all of them appear complex. You talk about the the drama, the details, the emotions involved. Wow, every relationship looks complex. But I'm convinced. They aren't as complex. They feel complex, but they're actually not that complex. So here's, here's 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 the here's the apology we present in the book. I'll give you the skeleton here, but you'll get it. So I'm going to make up a scenario here. Let's say that I cheated on my partner. That's a good one, right? I went out and messed around, and um, my partner caught me. OK, that's usually how it plays out. OK, and so I'm sitting in the counseling office and I'm, I'm talking to the counselor and the counselor and I, you know, counselor says, uh, you know, have you apologized? And, oh, I've told her I'm sorry. <laughs> and the counselor says, "Nope, that's not going to work. And so they learn this from the counselor.
1: Well, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to we're actually going to go to break here in about 30 seconds. OK, when we come back. I would like you to talk talk a little bit more about that. Would that I'll, be be re-
3: I'll be ready.
1: <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So I'm Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach here in Arizona. And if you'd like to get a hold of me for a free consultation, please go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can also call me at 480 648 1122. And I look forward to uh, having you all come back after the break to hear what Kent Shelley has to say about apologies. Thank you for listening.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fozzie works with in person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fozzie. Plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit Executive Function Coach or call 480 648 1122.
0: Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America
4: Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five
3: senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A
0: View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your
4: advantage and deeper understanding.
2: You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ Now, back to Focus on Success.
1: Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach based here in Arizona. And today we are meeting with Dr. Mark Shelley and Kent Shelley of Relationship Owners Manual. Uh, They've written a fabulous book. And today we are talking about the book and and about relationships. So um, we had kind of stopped at a point uh, with uh, Kent. And Kent, if you'd like to uh, continue on that path, I would love to hear more.
3: So here's the scenario. Uh, Let's imagine that I cheated on my wife. Maybe I... Had an affair, maybe it was just uh, flirting with someone online or through text, whatever. And so this would be a, a basic outline. Uh, and I'm going to add a few specifics just to make it comprehensible. And so, but this is important to note an apology is based on the fact that I'm taking ownership for what I did. It's also based on the idea that relationships are based on respect, primarily love is a byproduct of the respect that we show. And also understanding that if if relationships are based on respect, then the only way, really the only way we're ever going to hurt our partner is by the manifestation of some form of disrespect whether it be attitude, word, or action. So whenever you, we offend or hurt or wound our partner, we automatically know what the root issue is. It's always going to be, I disrespected them, because that's what really hurt them. How we did it is secondary, and I'll show how that works into the apology. So here I am. I have cheated on my partner, and so I I'm going to actually communicate to her something like this. I was wrong for treating you so disrespectfully and violating the trust you placed in me. I realized I hurt you deeply when I compromised and gave my heart to someone else, even if just for a moment. Moving forward, you can count on me to have a heart and eyes only for you and you can hold me accountable for this. I was wrong. Will you please accept my apology? No. I would never say that to the person, though. You communicate that in a document. I encourage my clients to go to Walmart, buy one of those nice (laughs) blank cards, and write it out, just pretty much like I just said. It, it, this isn't long. It's very specific. It's, it's uh, very focused communication. Yeah. And it, you'll notice and there's not a lot of detail in it either because you don't need to provide a lot of detail because your partner only knows exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> sure. And, and so, and I encourage my clients to write it down and leave that card somewhere where their partner will find it when they're not around. Because we want to respect the partner's right to open that letter. And most partners will be mad. They'll be angry when they receive that. And that's a normal response. And it's just part of how we emotionally process things. And so sure. they leave they leave it somewhere. Their partner is going to read it once, probably get mad and go clean something. Or and then they're going to then they're going to come back, read it again. There'll probably be a slightly less intense reaction. I've had people, I've had wives in this exact type of situation tell me they had to read it four or five times before they calmed down and then they would say like mark indicated earlier i mean they've come back to me and said i have never ever received an apology like that and they'll have tears in their eyes wow. and this is the turning point for most relationships because if we don't deal with that resentment and that offense then we can do all the right things in the world and the, the relationship will never be connected. So that is a huge that's a, that's a huge starting point when, when couples come to see me as there's a problem in the relationship, I start asking some very specific questions about who's hurt, who's wounded, who's offended we gotta we gotta correct that before we even talk about the, how to create how to help the relationship
2: and and Ken hit on on a key word in her book and that is resentment. And we feel that I know the clients who come to me at the heart of the dissatisfaction in the relationship is a resentment over something.
3: Yeah.
2: And so that needs to be unearthed. And we have this little thing that that we suggest is to write what you're resentful about. And I tell my clients, get a shovel, go out in the yard, dig a hole, (laughs) put that resentment in the hole and cover it up. Put a little marker on it, a stick, something. And whenever you feel that resentment coming back up, go out in the yard, go to that stick, look at that hole and say, Yep, it's still there. I buried that, so I'm okay. <laughs> and then walk inside. And that works for people as well.
3: And the cure to that resentment that Mark is referring to, the whole process of what he just described, is actually the act of forgiving your partner, even if they never ask you.
2: That's so so what's crucial. important
1: about the forgiveness. Tell it, let's talk about that for a moment.
2: I, I think can't hit it on early. It frees us up. Mm-hmm. If I forgive somebody, then I can't resent them. Think of forgiving someone is giving your
3: yourself permission not to be angry with them anymore. It's, it's 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 freeing yourself to be yourself in the relationship again.
1: To be in the relationship again. Okay. And that's really the important part is to keep that relationship going how has your book helped people who are not in a relationship yet
2: uh, I had a I had a, a client who uh, was single 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 woman and uh, she wanted she kind of had an interest in somebody and thought she wanted to do so uh, she got the book she read the book and um, she came back we talked and she says and this is kind of what Kent was saying before earlier she says, I want this guy to read the book because I want to find out if he's a controller or not. And Let's talk about that. What is a controller? A controller is somebody who wants to change me. Somebody wants to change my behaviors, my attitudes, my actions. Um, wants me to conform to to their um, expectations of what I should be.
1: Someone to make them happy.
2: Yeah.
3: I will add to this. I know I'm a controller if I use this type of phraseology. You should. You could. You ought to. You need to. I want you to. But I firmly believe those words should never be spoken in a relationship. If we have a request for our partner, think of it this way. If you use the word you in that sense, it's almost always a controlling statement.
2: It's a command.
3: Yeah, and so, again, respect is the key here, and, and respect does not demand anything.
2: So how would
1: you phrase it if you wanted to do it and not be a controller?
3: Okay, so let's use an example. Let's say my partner has a particular um, behavior behavior that I find really irritating. Okay. And and I've walked through this thing. I I really have dealt with my resentments, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be a long, long, maybe uncomfortable relationship. We don't deal with this, you know? And so I will use, I have a few magic questions, uh, magic sentences, I call them that I share with my clients. And here's one of them. Now, if I need to talk about something delicate or sensitive, or if I want to share something with my partner, I always want to ask permission before I share it. Because if if I have an opinion about something and I just blurt it out, especially if it's an opinion about my partner, they are probably almost certainly going to perceive it as me trying to control them, you know? Again, that would be the, you know, you should, you ought to, I think you need to. I mean, anything like that will be perceived as controlling instinctively by our partner. It doesn't matter how valid our concern is either. And as soon as they perceive it as controlling, we have a disconnect in the relationship. So, here's a magic sentence. Uh, This is great for partners. It's excellent for raising teenagers. This is perhaps the only way you can communicate with a teenager. And that is... When you see something and you feel like you need and ought to and really have a responsibility to say something, you say this sentence. Would you like my opinion on this question mark? And then you say nothing else until they say, sure. Or they might say no. If they say no, you zip your lips and you never speak the words because it won't work. But if they say yes, You can say, and as long as you say it respectfully, you can say almost anything you want, because they have given me permission to speak into their life. They felt respected just by the fact that I said, would you like my opinion on this? That's a connection. That's a connection before we even talk about the difficult thing. So that's, that's how you communicate with your partner. Would you like my perspective or opinion on this? Works miracles, really.
2: And the, I, the other thing we talk about in the book and this is make, not making it about them, but making it about me. If something irritates me about my partner, mm-hmm. it's not about my partner. It's about me. It's about something I'm experiencing. So instead of saying, you do this and you irritate me or you bug me, then I said, I'm feeling this or I'm sensing this or I'm experiencing this. And it's about me. And it's not an accusation against them.
1: I like that. That's that's a really good uh, good way of putting it. Because a lot of people, when they get irritated, once again, they point the finger outward. Mm-hmm. You know, this person is bothering me or this person mm-hmm. is irritating me. That's wonderful.
2: No, we, that. we often hear people say, well, he she made me angry or he made me angry. And we are... One of the things both of us, we, that just sends us off because we nobody can make you feel anything. You know, you may have an emotional reaction, but you choose what you do with that reaction. And uh, if somebody is making you mad, it's because you're letting them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And Kent, I think you had something to add to that.
3: Well, I was just going to say, related to this, um, the Practical issue is, how do you respond to your partner when they disrespect you, either verbally or emotionally or physically? How do you respond to this? And um, I'll give you a real extreme example if I can tell another story real quick. Um, This has happened more than once. I I, I have clients who often come in, uh, say a wife, and her husband's an alcoholic. And, you know, she's living in a very volatile, difficult situation, and she gets a lot of disrespect sent towards her. Well, most of us, when we feel disrespected, the first thing we do is hit back, (laughs) right? Not physically, but we, what do you mean? And and then we have an an escalated situation where in the counseling world, we say, oh, the issue is no longer the issue. (laughs) We've just gone way beyond the issue. So, I I under the idea of setting healthy personal boundaries. You see we have two choices in life. We choose we get to choose how we treat other people. And most people are pretty good at that most of the time. The other choice we make in life is we get to choose how we allow other people to treat us. And I didn't know I had that choice. Well, into my adult life, I didn't know that existed. I, I just became a people pleaser to try to keep things smooth. That's a whole toxic issue right there. But I, 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 I another show, <laughs> it is. But, but so when someone disrespects me, I realize that the only respectful response I have towards them is another magic sentence, the shortest one I know. And I basically, I, I, I receive the disrespect. And as soon as I know, I know when I'm disrespected. I don't even try to analyze it. I just know I feel that way. I know it's wrong for me to allow someone to treat me that way.
1: Absolutely. And so
3: so all, I, all I say to them, I look at them and say, I, I'm going to say something and do something. But what I say first is, I feel disrespected, period three sentences. I'm not accusing them of anything, right? I'm Mm -hmm. simply saying, this is how I feel. And they can't argue. You know, if someone comes up to me and says, Kent, I feel sad. I'm not going to say, no, you don't. (laughs) You know, you can't argue with an I feel statement. So, So, it's just sharing information. And you are sharing with your partner at that moment, I feel disrespected you are sharing with them the most important piece of information they'll ever get from you because the relationship is now threatened because of the disrespect going on so i feel disrespected very important now i throw it i throw that ball into my partner's court and it is their responsibility and opportunity to decide what they're going to do with it and um, a lot of people just why do you mean i feel this you feel disrespected da, da, da. Now, that's when I that's when I realize as soon as I say my I feel disrespected, I am done with this whole conversation. I've I've fulfilled my mission. It's not up to me to fix it. It's their problem. They're the one disrespecting me, and they got to figure it out. So, I disengage. I'm done. Zip the lips, go for a walk with the dog if I need to get out of the house or go bike. Tea or a coffee, or do what I mean. I'm done. It's up to them to figure out what they're going to do. And I know this sounds crazy, but I've seen this work amazingly well with couples. I've seen women, particularly, do this with their disrespecting partner, male partner, and 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 they just said, "I feel disrespected." The guy goes ballistic. They leave the house and. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Then he does it again a few days later. Same statement. I feel disrespected. She disengaged. I've had one lady say she had to do that four times. And she said, I never got an apology from this guy, but I got something better. All of a sudden, he started treating me different. Because he realized that I was not going to put up with this. And if he wanted a relationship with me, he had to start respecting me. And she did all that without controlling him. But by respecting him, by sharing that information, so that's a crucial, crucial thing. How we respond to people when mm-hmm. we feel disrespected.
2: And there are situations, Fozzie, Fozzie, Foz, yeah, where um, where we just have to have to cut the ties. Uh, I had a client recently who, yeah. uh, the couple came to me. He had joined. Um, A group that was arming themselves and into conspiracy theories and that kind of thing. He was hoarding stuff and they tried to have a conversation and he just kind of went off the rails and she had to make the decision, do I, can I live with this or not? And so that's a hard decision to make. Absolutely. Sometimes when the relationships are just so toxic and they're just so disrespectful, (laughs) that you have to draw that line. You, as Kent said, you have to make that boundary and said, I am not going to be treated like this. And you have to walk away from the relationship. We hate to see that with our clients, but sometimes it's, it's the best thing for them.
3: Mad, mad. Yeah, absolutely. So, in, uh, You know, <laughs> in the book, we basically you know, we at the very beginning, we say a relationship's like an airplane that has two wings. And the last time I checked, you pretty much need two wings for a relationship to work. And I explained to a lot of my couples, they'll come in and they'll tell me what's going on and everything and and i'll simply say to them okay you shared with me enough information i do know this about your relationship if your relationship were an airplane you have two wings on it but they are in such bad shape they're not going to get you off the ground and if and if they do you're going to wish you hadn't and i said we can stop talking about your problems right now we can start talking about the solution here because that's you know this is you know I don't believe counseling or coaching is problem focused. It's solution focused, you know? And so we we so basically here's the two wings every relate every couple needs. The first wing is both partners need to be ruling their personal kingdom daily to be the best or better version of the self they can be. So if as a partner I have an anger issue, I gotta deal with that anger issue. If I'm lazy, I need to deal with my laziness. If I'm irresponsible, I gotta deal with my irresponsibility. And and this makes me a functional person and therefore I can be a functional partner. I cannot be a functional partner until I'm a reasonably well-functioning person. So, the first airplane is the first wing on the airplane is both couples are doing a reasonably good job, not perfect, no one's asked to be perfect here, but doing a reasonably good job of being the best version of themselves they can be. The second wing goes to that magic word of collaborating. And we identify in the book that there are six key areas that every couple has to collaborate on to create a mutual understanding and agreement because these six areas are what actually make the relationship. If that's a relationship, if that's a person, and this is a person, the relationship is everything in the middle. And we create that together. And it is these six items, which we call the bridges that connect the couple. These six bridges are, are the essence of the relationship, and You want me to give them real quick?
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then after that, I think we'll be kind of coming to the end of the show. And I'd like to talk about shift gears a little bit. So, yes, please.
3: I'm just going to list them. They'll have to buy the book to find out. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And
3: there's not necessarily an order in this, but they're all important. Okay. And if one of these is missing, the relationship is at risk. Okay that's how important these six areas are. Number 1 is finances. We have to collaborate finances so they work equally well for both of us. Number 2 is intimacy and we're not talking just sex. We're talking about emotional connection. We have to talk about how we're going to what kind of intimacy we want and how we're going to continue to cultivate it as time goes on and maintain it sustain it. The third area is what we call home life and it has two subdivisions. Number 1 is what we call parenting. We have to agree on parenting strategy. And number two, division of labor. Who is going to do what around here? Because if we don't clarify that, there's going to be all kinds of frustrations and expectations and disappointments. The sure. next area is extended family. What are we going to do with those in-laws and outlaws when it comes to <laughs> Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving? And oh, my goodness, we have to go on vacation with these people. And and we get to decide if we want them just to walk into our house or call and knock first. That all has to be collaborated between the partners. And another area is our work life. Our work life has to work for the relationship. I was a long haul truck driver for eight years. I loved the job. I truly did. But it was causing havoc on my marriage. I left my wife at home with six kids and she didn't think that I was too cool either. So understandably. <laughs> so I, I, that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. Awesome. Because And finally it, it is the last year is our social life.
1: Wonderful. I, I just want to tell you both um, Mark and Ken, I really enjoyed this interview. It's been a blast. I loved talking to both of you. I loved hearing your perspectives. I think your book is awesome. I would love to, Have you share, how can somebody get a copy of your book? So um, who wants to talk first? Mark, would you like to tell everyone how they can get a copy of your book?
2: Sure. Um, It's published through iUniverse. And you can go to iUniverse.com and uh, purchase the book there. It's also on Amazon.com. You can also get it from us individually. If you want to call or email, um, my email is nm S-H-E-L-L-E-Y, 52, at gmail.com, and just shoot me an email so they want to copy your book, and we can send it out to you. Um, yeah, so. thank you. Kent?
3: S- same thing, uh, Amazon, either here in Canada, uh, amazon.ca or amazon.com if you're in the States, also, um, you can order directly from me um, and um, e- e- my email is kent, K-E-N-T dot life matters counseling. And counseling has two L's because I'm in Canada <laughs> and that's <laughs> at, at gmail.com. And also you can order through my website at kentshelly.net.
1: Thank you so much. You, you are both uh, amazing. And I, I'm so appreciative of you coming onto the show today. And I know, especially for you, Kent, because I know you're an introvert like me. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach here in Arizona. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my email is fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can also go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com, or you can call me at 480-648-1122. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you back next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Acosti for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern time and 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.